Hey everyone, I'm Mitchell Ray, and you're listening to the Real Music Nashville podcast. Just right out of the gate, we have some really exciting news. Um, this Monday will be our first Real Music Nashville Presents series, and what we've done is partnered with the Wilson Brothers, and we'll be hosting a, a uh, live stream event every other Monday from the Whiskey Bent Saloon. The Wilson Brothers are a really great country duo. Um, they're going to be doing all the booking for this first Real Music Nashville Presents series, so it's going to feature mostly country artists. And like I said, it, it is going to be a live stream event. Um, I'm probably going to host it on Real Music Nashville's YouTube channel and also our fan site on Facebook. That being said, it's not just a live stream event. They are doing a socially distanced, limited capacity audience. Um, so that's at the Whiskey Bent Saloon. December 21st is the first show. And it starts at 8 and ends at 11. So, um, yeah, I just, I'd really like to see some of you guys out there. All right, now let's talk about uh, today's podcast guest, Andrew Adkins. I got to sit down with him over a Zoom call. Um, it was one of the first Zoom podcasts I did, and uh, I think it turned out really well. Andrew's a really interesting dude, and he's done quite a bit with his time in the, uh, in the music industry. He's had a lot of sync licensing deals and uh, has uh, maybe five or six albums. His uh, his most recent album, The Echoist, is out now on all uh, streaming platforms, and he also um, he also recorded two acoustic versions of uh, two of his songs specifically for the podcast, which is really awesome. He didn't have to do that, so I'll be putting those two songs up on the YouTube channel, and uh, I'll put the link in the description so you can find them. Um, if you have an album or single that's releasing soon and you'd like it featured on the introduction to this podcast, just contact me at realmusicnashville at gmail.com and we can make that happen. All right, let's get into the episode here with Andrew and we'll transition with a clip of his song, Save the Day. And this is one of the acoustic ones that he recorded especially for our show. Thanks for doing this, man. I was really stoked Absolutely. to... Absolutely. Uh, Thanks for having me. Is that your... Is that like your publicist or someone that was talking to me? Uh, um. Yeah, I mean, she's kind of... I guess there's not a specific title. She just... She helps me out a lot in the, you know, uh, publicity. She used to do some bookings back when that was a thing. Right. <laughs> and, <yeah. laughs> um, you know, some album reviews, things like that. So, okay. Yeah. Well, but yeah, yeah. She's, a, she's a great person, Nico. Yeah, it's nice to uh, finally see, um, well, I almost said in person, but finally nice to meet you. <laughs> this is the closest thing I think some of us get to yeah. in person these days. Seems like it. Um, dude, you've had, uh, you know, I was looking into you, uh, your career and everything. You've had like, you've put out like five or six albums over maybe half a decade, multiple bands. You've had Something like that, yeah. You've had like a, uh, a very long career and uh, a whole lot of experience in the mu music industry. But uh, you came from Ohio, right? 
Yeah, yeah, Northwestern Ohio. I was born in a town called Defiance, so I was literally born in Defiance. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's um, it has. It's been, you know, it's been a long time since I've been doing this. But man, when I when I think back on it, it seems like everything was five years ago. You know. Yeah. Um, so what uh, what prompted the move to Nashville? Right. I, I think. Um... I think I saw on the internet that is right after high school, you just like jumped right down yeah. to Nashville. <clears throat> um, well, I actually have a cousin that lives in Smyrna. Okay. Um, which is, you know, it's south of town for those of you who don't know who's listening. Um, but uh, yeah, I moved, or my uh, my cousin lives there. And, and at the time, my father was retiring from General Motors up in Ohio. And, um, you know, he's thinking about splitting town. I was getting ready. To, I was just graduated. So I, uh, I was thinking that we were all thinking about splitting town. For different purposes and reasons uh i was i was gonna hit up uh, atlanta or chicago because i was you know pretty close to chicago where i grew up and of course that was a happening music scene um i just wanted to get somewhere where there was a big you know thriving scene i was at the time i was way too intimidated to go to los angeles or new york city yeah nashville i thought was just country music as, <laughs> as most people did back then specifically so you're not the only person like, that I've talked to to say that. Yeah, it all looks like Yeah, country. it's funny. Well, it had such a stigma for the longest time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I came down here, you know, to check it out uh, for like a weekend uh, to visit my cousin. Wow, I fell in love with it. And this was, you know, this was a, a long time ago. So even more so nowadays. It's yeah. just, I mean, I don't know how long you've been in the city, but oh, in yeah, the area. I, uh, I grew up here. How so. long? I grew up here, so uh, yeah. Oh, so you've seen it. I was just going to say, yeah. if you've been here for five or ten years, but you've definitely seen the growth and the change. It's, I mean, I've, yeah. I mean, gosh, in the last decade, it's been mind-boggling. It's almost like a, a completely different place. I, especially now since the pandemic, I have not been out of the house much. But before, I would not go to a place for about five months and go back. And I was like, it'd be like unrecognizable. Yeah, it'd be like at least two or three new hotels and a. You know, oh a yeah, hotels, building. condos, restaurants. It's just it's insane. Yeah, but yeah, I guess out. to summarize everything, I just fell in love with the city, and and the the more I'm here, the more I fall in love with it. Still, it's just an ongoing love story that I have with Nashville, and it's just always, you know, especially nowadays, it's just so encompassing towards music and culture and everything else. So, yeah, I, I don't foresee myself leaving anytime soon. Well, that's a good thing. <laughs> we need all the good musicians we can get down here, even though there seems to be, you can throw a rock and hit a musician in Nashville. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when I first came to town, somebody told me, um, if it, you're one of two people, if not the same, you're a server or a musician, and half the time you're both. Oh, yeah. It, so, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, yeah, you're right. I mean, I remember uh, growing up in Ohio, like when you'd see a guy walking down the street with a guitar on his back, you're like, wow, that dude plays. It was like a big deal. <laughs> yeah. This is like, you know, like you said, you throw a stone and it's like you hit 10 of them here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, so it's just, I like the fact that, you know, most cities you see guys carrying briefcases and here you see guys carrying guitar cases. It's so cool. Yeah. They're going to go do a uh, quick gig on their lunch break from construction. <laughs> yeah. They're going to play for like, you know, a national superstar or something on their <laughs> lunch break before yeah. they go back to their serving gig that night. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so in Nashville, is that where you um, hooked up with your first, uh, I guess, like your first major band? Um, what yeah. were the uh, Melon Down, Melon Down Easy? Yeah, Melon Down Easy. It was, uh, I started it here. 
but uh, my best friend from up north in Ohio, Daryl Dasher, Daryl Wayne Dasher, who's actually a really great country singer around town these days. Um, but uh, we started that band. Uh, he came down because he had plans on moving to Nashville to be an aspiring country singer. Mm-hmm. And I think I threw some wrenches in that plan. <laughs> ended up joined the, we started the band together and we spent, gosh, at least a good eight, seven, eight years on the road. Um, and that was, yeah, that I, I didn't go to college, but I had that band, so I'm good. <laughs> well, you went to your own type of college, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I probably learned more and got in more trouble in that realm of college than I would have if I went to a regular traditional college. Yeah. Now, is this the band that, um, you signed with, uh, Ryan Gosling's record label, uh, where uh what was it where werewolf heart records yeah, werewolf that was heart. actually the, the the band after that was lions for real okay. um, that was kind of an offshoot of melodonies sort of um but yeah that was a cool crazy time that band took off and it exploded in within like two months and i told you i spent seven or eight months or seven or eight years on the road with melodonies and yeah. honing that um and we we eventually were signed to a dual tone record which is a record label here in nashville but uh do you think that it was seven or, I'm sorry? Uh do you think that seven or eight years um contributed to the quick success of the next band or was it that's what I wonder because it was a bit weird because I I was used to struggling and just you know putting in all that as they say paying your debts and all that. And uh I you know, we were just hitting the pavement, you know, as hard as we could for years. The band broke up, which was a slow dissolve, and then I got together with Lions for Real. And within two or three months, we're like on an airplane headed to Los Angeles, you know? Wow. So yeah, it was a weird, it was a weird thing. It was almost like, here's your, you know, your prize for spending all that time busking it on the road, you know? Yeah. Um, it seems like everyone I talk to has uh, this same type of story, but um, would you mind sharing sort of like the fallout or the bad experience you had with that label? Um, if you don't want to, that's fine. But uh, no, no, I don't, I don't have a problem at all. Um, well, up to that point, I always heard the horror stories of, you know, a lot of people don't understand until, you know, you're in that position. Right. Um, I myself was even guilty of like, I've heard stories of like friends being like, you know, we got signed to this label and, you know, a month before we released the record, the bass player left because he freaked out or, you know, something. <laughs> yeah. You always hear something weird like that. And, I, you know, I went through my life hearing stories like that and thinking, wow, what an idiot or, you yeah, know, yeah. or whatever. It's like, how could you have that? And, you know, you work so hard for it, you get it, and you lose it. But man, I found myself in that exact same position. Um, the big thing with that label is I wasn't used to having somebody, you know, um, calling the shots so specifically to where the point where it started, um, I guess it started uh, interfering in the creative process, which I... You know, uh, they had one of those guys. I, yeah, well, see, I, I in the past, I'd be, I, it's all about compromise. I have no problem compromising. Yeah, but when it comes to kind of almost giving your image and and your sound and your ideas in a whole other realm of people, and you know, not just a person, but like a, a group of people. Yeah, that kind of tends to be. I guess I remember thinking to myself during what all that was going on. I was thinking, man, I'd just be just as well flipping burgers or you know, <laughs> selling clothes at uh, J.C. Penny or something because I'm basically doing a job that I didn't sign up for. And I know that's, that might be selfish for me as an artist, uh, but I'm it, it works for certain people and certain people it doesn't. And I realized in a hard way it didn't work for me. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was being told what to wear, how, 
short to cut my hair, what jacket goes best with what slacks, you know, all these things I had no care about in the world. Um, And they were were, were prioritizing that over the music. Like, oh, that's a great riff, but what about that jacket? You got (laughs) to get a better jacket, you know? So it's like, that wasn't for me. So I literally almost quit music. I remember having thoughts. I don't know why specifically those two realms of a career, but I remember thinking to myself, I'm going to quit music, sell all my, my guitars and equipment. I'm going to be either a, a butcher at a grocery store or a postman. Wow. So I don't know why those two, but I still haven't crossed them out. <laughs> the so, complete you know, opposite. I, of, uh... We still may revisit those thoughts. <laughs> yeah, the complete opposite of being a musician. I couldn't imagine. <laughs> right, especially the butcher with your yeah, fingers right. and all that. But uh, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm good now. Though. I mean, I, I, it's just a, I went through that phase where I was just, you know, I was just so burnt out from the process. I just, yeah, I nearly gave it up and I'm so glad I did it because I don't know what I would do if I did. Yeah, I have a feeling you would have come back to it anyways. I mean, it seems to be. Yeah, I think so. I think it's just one of those, you know. I eat and I sleep and I play music. It's yeah. just a given. And I, I can't imagine what I would do without it. Yeah. Um, so are you, are you currently in a band now or are you more, cause uh, I guess you label yourself as like a singer songwriter. Um, and the records that came out after that period in your life, is that all you're just solely you? Um, or have you been hooking up with the bands here and there or how's, how's um, that I usually have a live band for shows. Yeah. Um, of course things are a little different nowadays. Um, the, the weird thing about it was, is I took 2019 completely off the road. Uh-huh. I played maybe five shows the entire year. And usually those were locally, maybe within three or four hours away, you know, I bet you regret that was, now that I was you... touring. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> I remember uh, I finally said, OK, I'm going to get back at it of, of De- December of, uh, of, of uh, last year. So I'm coming up almost on a year without ever even playing a show, which is crazy. Yeah. I think it's the longest I've ever been off stage. But, you know, I've been so busy with studio recordings and writing and all that stuff. I don't miss it as much as I thought I would. So I don't know what's going to what the future holds. Uh, but I usually keep a band with me. Um, are you these, know, um, uh, I have guys that, I mean, in Nashville, I'm sure you probably know, having a band in Nashville is not unusual to have, you know, your bassist plays with, you know, I don't know, Keith Urban or your drummer goes on the yeah. road with Emmylou Harris or something. So it's like, you know, you, you very seldom have a group of bands that are just that, a member of that exclusive group. So, you know, when I can get the guys in my band that I have, I, you know, I welcome that, but. Sometimes it's just easier to put an acoustic guitar and go on stage by yourself. So. I hear you. Um, okay, so these are, when you do have a band, it's, um, uh, I guess, people you have networked with and you, you can just call them and be like, hey, and they'll just come stand in. Yeah, as long as their schedule's usually open, you know, that's yeah. usually how it works. But like I said, going forward, I have no idea what that looks like, uh, you know, from here on out. So the last three albums you've put out then, that was all as like a solo artist? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I just went ahead and pulled myself up in my home studio and pretty much did everything, which is fun and it's cool. And I like doing it that way. It's a very therapeutic process. Yeah. But I do miss bouncing ideas off of other members. So I think it, I don't know if the next record or the one maybe after or whatever, I would like to kind of sort of let go of the, uh, you know, the reins for a little bit, maybe have somebody produce my record, maybe have you know a whole band on there to play with me it's been a long time since I've done that. Um, so it'd be great to get back into that world again. 
Yeah, it'd be nice to have someone to collaborate with, I'm sure. Yeah, I, I do miss that from time to time, for sure. Um, something I really wanted to talk to you about was um, the sync licensing that you've done. Um, mm-hmm. The couple tracks, um, I'm Indestructible and Fire and Brimstone. Uh, one was actually in a movie with Ethan Hawke. That's I'm Indestructible. And then Fire and Brimstone was in a trailer for uh, Tower Records doc. Um, I really wanted you to talk about that because I have a feeling, you know, a lot of musicians from Nashville are going to be listening to this podcast. And maybe, um, if you explain that process a little bit, it could open up a, um, a little bit of a lane for people to figure out how to maybe do that themselves and another revenue source for other musicians here in Nashville. Well, um, I will say for times like these, when the pandemic, when the pandemic happened, I was, um, like most musicians, um, you know, you're wondering where, what's going to happen. What, where's the money going to come from? Um, something getting involved in sync and licensing is definitely a, a good thing to do because, um, knock on wood, I was incredibly fortunate to have a couple of things placed before the pandemic happened. So I was able to kind of get through the pandemic with some of the residuals from those projects. So it's always nice to have that kind of mailbox money yeah. to rely on when LLs fails. Um, as far as getting into it goes, you know, I, um, I had a conversation with somebody not long ago and it's very similar to, I don't know, it's a very, it's a very similar thing to, to being a songwriter in town, the kind of the traditional, you know, in that definition of the traditional Nashville songwriter as carrying songs around and pitching them to other artists and hoping they would cut it. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's a, it's almost the same process, but just different avenues, you know, um, and would or, you know, uh, it's, it's just, it's luck, trial and error. I mean, I've yeah. definitely, <laughs> most like most songwriters pitching their songs to other artists in, in the sync licensing department, I've had a lot more failures than I've had success for sure. And um, that goes, I think for, yeah. You know, I mean, I, I probably, let me see, I think it's 2014. So about six years I've been lucky enough to have had success in, you know, that throughout uh, since then. But it's a constant thing of like, uh, for instance, you mentioned Indestructible. Indestructible has been very, I've been very lucky to have that because that's taken on about five or six different projects, which that's is amazing. unheard. I, I'm very grateful for that, but I also realize I'm very lucky for that. And that's not going to probably happen again with another song. Yeah. But uh, the one thing I noticed, though, is like people that like Indestructible or have heard it on a, on a trailer or a TV show, they want another indestructible, you know, it's just, it's just uh, very similar to having a hit song that works. Let me hear, hear another one just like that. So it's kind of, like I said, it's very similar in that, uh, in that regards. Uh, another thing is I'm constantly trying to be relevant when it comes to writing. Um, so it's like, I don't want to be just like the indestructible guy. I want to you know have other things happen with it. And I've been fortunate enough to have a few other songs other than that, but you always want to better that you always want to push the envelope to, to have another song that might be as fortunate for you as that. Um, but I guess to answer your question, sorry, I'm kind of getting off on a tangent there. Um, no, it's perfect. To answer your question though, I think it's just like any other realm. You just got to network, get out there and meet people and, uh, have your stuff available before anything. I I, want to stress, and I'm, I'm very surprised at so many people that don't have this taken care of, but before you get into the sync licensing department, definitely register your songs with ASCAP or BMI. It's amazing to me how many songwriters have come across that have no idea how that process works. 
but mm-hmm. there's representatives at each uh, office that will generously help you get signed up and get things rolling. Because, I mean, if you don't have your songs registered, you're dead in the water. You know, you'll have no way to, co- to collect any revenue or money. So and that's ob- definitely the first step. Yeah. And then obviously copywriting your material. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Yeah, uh, definitely. So did you shop that stuff around yourself or did you have uh, some type of manager or record label that was helping with helping you shop well, the, that around? The cool thing, um, again, just like the songwriting industry here in town, I started out working with different publishing companies and different uh, sync licensing companies all over the country. I had a couple here in Nashville, one specifically as uh, Washington Street Music, uh, Washington Street Publishing, rather. Uh, it's uh, ran by a, a, a lady named uh, Nancy Peacock, who's uh, been very instrumental in, in getting the ball rolling for me. Uh, beyond that, though, I've worked with companies all over the world since then. Um, but Fortunately, about a year ago, I was able to take basically what I built for myself using these companies, and I landed my first deal solo, which was crazy, very intimidating because there's a lot of paperwork and legalities involved. But um, if, as long as you don't freak out, you could do it. So I encourage people to do that. Start out giving your stuff to other people, not giving your stuff, but licensing your stuff to other people, having them help you out. And at some point, you'll get to the point where you can pitch it on your own, and then you get more money. Because yeah. standard industry uh, split with sync licensing is pretty, to to an observer, it sounds very high, but it's actually pretty um, pretty standard. It's a 50-50 split. Oh, so wow. like it's, say if I was to pitch the song or my the publishing company was to pitch one of my songs to, I don't know, a television show. Yeah. Uh, the revenue is going to be 50-50, you know, and that, like I said, that's pretty industry standard. Sometimes you can get a 60-40 cut, uh-huh. but um, but yeah, so that's definitely something to prepare yourself for too, because at first you're like, wow, that's a lot of money, you know, because song pluggers get you know sometimes 15 20 percent of your cut but i mean like i said it's a hard it's a hard room to sort of get into so if you can use that expertise that these companies have then it's worth it in the long run i think yeah you're paying 50 you're paying half for their connections basically i guess exactly but sometimes that half i mean you know especially if you're broke at the at the at that point, you get half of something is better than half of nothing, you know? Oh yeah. It'd be um, incredible to, but yeah, I, uh, and I also want to stress to people that are getting into the sync license. And I, and I, I've told a lot of people who's asked me things much like this, um, stay away from people that are, cause you see that so much more and more. I see it every day getting emails from companies be like, you know, for $15, $20, we can pitch your song to this, blah, blah, blah. It never, never works. I can't not tell you one person that's ever had luck at that. Yeah, I think it's just a big racket that's going on. So be be very leery of those kind of things. It's just kind of like the Spotify guys, like you know, thirty dollars will put your song on our Spotify thousand Spotify playlist. Mm-hmm. No, they won't. It's just a big scam. Um, I hate to sound so negative, but no. I just want to be. I want people, like you said, if people hear this, I want people to be conscious of that because uh, you know it's that old cliche. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Yeah, yeah, and it seems like in the music industry there is a racket in almost every aspect of it. If it's live streaming or live performing or anything, there's, um, there's little scam artists like that, that pop up and, uh, you know, they want a huge percentage for almost no work and, uh, it just doesn't work out usually. Yeah. And it's very, it's very, I mean, I cannot imagine because, you know, Nashville's just like LA in that regard or New York for that matter. Um, you have so many people that come into town starry eyed, and just willing to do whatever it takes to kind of get their foot in the door. 
And then you got these kind of predatory people kind of swimming along the bottom, yeah. you know, just preying on these innocent people. And, and, you know, much like me or anybody else that's kind of went to a city to sort of, you know, try their hand at it, you have all your money in your pocket and, you know, you don't have a lot of expendable income. So it's very, it's even more unfortunate if, you know, you take somebody's last dollar or if they choose to pay you instead of their rent for, yeah. because they think that their career is going to take off a, a month later. Yeah, it's very, it's very disheartening. So I, I, you know, I feel for so many people that are taking advantage of that on a daily basis almost. Yeah. Well, it's good to get the, you know, this kind of thing out there. Um, yeah. Like I said, this, this podcast is about trying to help um, the musicians in, in Nashville and the artists and uh, uh, hopefully they can get, you know, just kind of get some experience from your experience, you know? Yeah. I know that's how I learned most of my best lessons in life is from other people's mistakes. So <laughs> and I can definitely say I've definitely that, learned you know, I came out ahead on a lot of those uh, aspects, but uh, yeah. And you know, and if, and if you have any questions, if you're listening to this, reach out to me on social media, man, I'll, I'll be more than happy to help give advice or whatever anybody needs. That's awesome. That's really generous of you. Yeah, um, absolutely. Well, dude, let's talk about your new album that's coming out. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just kind of um, go over that process. This was a COVID album. You locked yourself in your apartment or something and didn't well, come out? <laughs> yeah, it partially it was. I mean, I had already been working. About this time last year, I started working on it. And um, I spent about last, the summer of 2019 writing. And it was a weird thing because I I write a lot, but <clears throat> this was like crazy. I was, it, I was, it was like an open faucet of just song ideas. So I think over the summer of 2019, I wrote upwards of around 80 songs within like three months or something crazy. Wow. I don't normally work at that pace, but it just, you know, it just happened. And like I said, I took that time off the road. It's hard for me to be one of those guys. I wish I could be one of those guys that could, you know, after their gig, go to their hotel room and kick their guitar up and write a couple songs. I'm so one track minded. I can't write when I'm on the road and yeah. I can't think about shows when I'm in my creative space, you know, so um, I can't combine those two worlds, unfortunately. But when I took the time off the road, specifically to write and record, it was, I think that was a big part of it. It just like, I thought I don't have to worry about shows and I have to worry about traveling. So let's sounds just write. Like, and so I did like that was, and uh, I got it finished. Yeah. It sounds like um, it was almost like uh, unkinking a, uh, a water hose or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> very was... much so. Very much. That's a good way to put it. Um, so I finished it up at the first of the year, uh, January, 2020. And my intentions were to, you know, release it probably by summer. Um, and obviously those things changed. Um, <clears throat> so I was sitting here with a, you know, when COVID happened in March, uh, I was sitting here with a full album ready to go. But of course, if you're a songwriter or an artist, you know how it is. You can't, with something like this going on, <laughs> you know, the pandemic, Yeah, you just can't sit there and watch it. It's just like you're inspired to speak on it or write about it. Uh, and then not to mention that, but gosh, you know, all the protests and, and you know, the, this year being so politically driven, you just can't turn your television on or open up your phone or whatever without getting just pelted with you know, yeah. bad news and negative negativity. Um, I mean, it's not all bad and negative, but there's so much that is. And uh, so, yeah, so all this stuff started happening and I just started writing again. And I thought to myself, you know what? I'm going to make two albums. <laughs> so I took some of the new songs I've been, I was writing at the time that was inspired by the current events. And I, and I, I basically divvied up. I took all the songs, put them down, I divvied them up into two albums. Echoist being one. And then I have another one that I'm kind of finishing up, you know, right now. But uh, 
Yeah, I, I basically I finished it and then I unfinished it and then finished it again uh, during the pandemic. So wow, so you're gonna have a a, a lot of material that's uh, pretty much ready to go as soon as I start. Yeah, up these yeah, menus. like I said, it's, it's it just needs to be kind of you know edited and and uh, and mixed and mastered and it's yeah. ready to go. Um, but then again, you know, I'm still writing again. So who's to say if I even want to release that album? It may come out eventually. I don't know if it's going to be the next album per yeah. se. But um, well, so it may be a lot like your um, your colored parade project, where it sort of sat on the shelf for a long yeah. time. Until yeah, it could be. Um, yeah, it just depends. Like I said, I'm I'm constantly wanting to write, and I, I always want to stay relevant. And I don't know. We'll see how I feel. Let's see how we feel after November <laughs> and then we'll take yeah. it from there. Um, so, I mean, is that what happened with uh, the color parade project? It was one of these situations where you just had a lot of material coming out at once and then you just sh- sort of shelved that and then. Yeah. Well, the funny later. thing about that was um, going back to what we were talking about, about the Lions for real um, Hollywood thing that happened. I was, like I said, I was thinking about quitting. I was so depressed and, and just in this bad space. So, you know, even though I was thinking of doing <laughs> becoming a butcher or a mailman, I still picked up the guitar and wrote. And I just decided I'm just going to record a bunch of songs. And I had no intentions on releasing them. And uh, it was a total therapeutic thing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I just and then matter of fact, uh, Indestructible was part of that batch. Oh, and wow. the publishing lady, she's like, send me something. She's like, I want to pitch some of your stuff just. You know, I think she might have been bored. I don't know. Um, but she was like, just send me something. And I sent her Indestructible. And I was literally going to like, just, I thought it was the throwaway song at the time. Yeah. And uh, yeah, she called me up about a month later. And was like, guess what? And she landed on that Ethan Hawke, uh, the trailer for an Ethan Hawke movie um, called Cymbeline, which was a few years ago. And so I was like, okay, well, maybe I should release this stuff. <laughs> yeah. They've responded this well, so. Yeah, so it just kind of was like it was a therapy album that just basically came out. It's funny how um, sometimes the you know the tracks that we don't think of anything of you know they oh, sort yeah. of define you uh, or <clears throat> or connect the most with people and stuff. Uh, it would just be insane if um, just think about you know how crazy it would be if that just never saw the light of day and it's oh you know. <laughs> I know man I I would have been chopping meat at a grocery store oh. probably but um yeah i it, it was weird because i remember specifically a couple times i thought a this is the worst song on this collection of songs b i'm never gonna put this out who's gonna dig this you know like so i just remember thinking back once i, I and like i said i i don't know six years later and five or six television show movie trailers later i can't complain you know it's been a very good song to me and uh yeah so i i I always take a second guess now <laughs> yeah. when I start doubting something. <laughs> so that definitely made a difference. That's cool. Um, so do you have any plans? I mean, I know most of the venues are shut down and everything, but there are some like socially distanced shows and everything. Have you thought yeah. about sort of doing that or are you just going to stick at home uh, until? Yeah, I think I'm going to write this out. Um, yeah. Cause you know, especially now uh, they're talking of a second wave. I don't know. I don't know. I just, you know, so much uncertainty right now uh, but yeah I, I i guess my first game plan is see how i'm doing january of, of 2021 yeah and take it from there what do you think about uh, um, people doing live streams have you thought about maybe debuting some of your stuff on a live yeah, stream? yeah i mean i've had people approach me about doing it um 
of course, at the time when they approached me, I like I was kind of in the and like, as I told you, I can't do creative and <laughs> live right, at the right. same time. So I was kind of in my creative space. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've definitely been hit up by people and people that, you know, work with me. They're definitely advising me to do more, you know, virtual things. Obviously, I got a record to promote, so yeah, I need yeah. to do as much of that as possible. So, yeah, I haven't ruled it out. I just haven't. I don't know. I want to do something. If I do it, I want to do something a little different that sets me apart from just, you know, strumming my acoustic on a camera. Right. So, yeah, I'm working on some ideas. Like I said, I think that goes back to the January thing, too. How And then plus how the album was initially received. Um, so, yeah, I think if people want me to play, then I definitely will. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen some pretty interesting things that artists have been doing with the live stream stuff. Um, but I've also seen some stuff where it's just like sort of cringy and crash. Oh, and burned, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. I've seen sort of a fail. few of those, which is unfortunate because I know, you know, everybody does the best that they can with what they have. Yeah. But yeah, there's some who are just like, oh. It's just like that kind of nails on a chalkboard sort of thing. But the cool thing about technology, though, is like, you know, even since the pandemic, we're still companies are still evolving on what they're making for people, the consumers, just to, you know, different microphones and interfaces and all that. So it's cool. It's it's a whole evolution. And I think that's the cool thing about the live streaming things. It was very not thought of before COVID and all this. And I think it'll never go away. I think it'll always be a part of even when live music gets back to normal. I think the live streaming will always be some sort of a secondary market, I, I feel. Yeah, I think it's here to stay for sure. And yeah. like you said, I I had never even thought about, um, you know, a live stream. Yeah, me like either. That. It was just so weird because it's such a practical thing. Yeah. And I never thought, wait, hey, if I sit on my phone, <laughs> yeah. I can reach all over the world, you know, performing their living room. Yeah, it's weird. It's just something like out of necessity. It's just, you know, there it is. I was first exposed to it um, on Reddit with their um, their RPAN or whatever it's called, um, their live broad public access oh, yeah, yeah, network. Yeah. Um, and I was like, what is this live stream thing? And I went to it. I went through a huge rabbit hole with all of that. And um, uh, yeah. and now I have like five cameras. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, it's it's cool. I used to get into it. You ever are you a fan of the jam in the van? Uh, so, I don't know what that is. Oh man, you should check it out. It's uh, these guys uh, out of uh, Los Angeles. I'm not sure if it's Los Angeles, somewhere in, in Orange County, maybe. But anyway, um, really cool guys. Uh, about three or four of them. I think that's it's that's what it used to be. They may they've been growing, so they might be, might be more people now. But uh, uh they first started uh, taking like a camper, a gutted camper, mm-hmm. and um, and it's just fitted with a drum set and like basically like a little recording studio just you know crammed down into a box and uh they would have zoom uh, not zoom but um gopros the gopro cameras yeah they would have like 10 of them scattered throughout the um the trailer or the camper and they would go to music festivals like coachella uh, um, and then eventually started making their way to south by southwest uh and they would just set up in a parking lot and just tape random artists songwriters bands and and then they had a sponsorship with like different beer companies, so like they 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 were man, they were managed to make money, yeah. but they started getting bigger and bigger. And uh, last year's Americana Fest they actually made it to Nashville, so they're getting national now and so really this, cool. So is this like dot is really cool. They but they perform like they have artists come in and do two to three songs. And, Sorry, say it one, yeah. more, one more time. I think I talked over it. Jam and what? No, it's cool. Uh, Jamintheband.com. Okay, and is this like a podcast or is it like a um, sort of like a maybe a little mini series or something or um yeah it's it's they do i don't think they i mean if they do interviews it's very brief it might uh-huh. be more introduction than an actual interview but um yeah it's just like a two or three 
showcase, you know, performance of different okay. artists. A lot of cool people has been on there. A lot of cool people's done it. Um, <clears throat> I was actually going to do it a couple years ago at South by Southwest, but I don't remember what happened. It didn't line up, but yeah, hopefully that, that might be something soon on the agenda once things get back to normal. Yeah, that sounds pretty cool. I'll check that out for sure. Um, yeah, uh, so when's your album coming out? The one that's definitely coming uh, out? November 13th. November 13th. Okay. Yeah, they actually, uh, <clears throat> they wanted to release it um, the week from before, uh, which is like, what, the 6th or whatever? Um, I don't know. Whatever it is. But either week before, uh, you know, the election's on the 3rd. And I thought, I do not want to put an album. <laughs> I'm, I'm lucky. I don't, I didn't even want to put an album out at all until like December. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I delayed it, put it off for an extra week after the election because it's a crazy time. I don't know what the state of the world is going to look like then. Um, I mean, it's bad enough. Imagine what we're going through now. So, yeah. Yeah. So it's coming out the week after the election. So that's something to, you know, if you need a release, <laughs> you know, look there, maybe. Yeah, I think we all might after this one. Yeah. You never know what, what what's the future holds. Well, Andrew, man, uh, it was a pleasure having you on. I really appreciate you doing this show. Um, oh, absolutely, man. Thank you. And uh, I think, you know, the knowledge you dropped on us with the sync license and everything could really help some people around town. Um, absolutely. Go ahead and plug um, anything else you got going on and maybe, you know, go ahead and plug that album again real quick, the release date. And, uh, um, yeah, I'm just really grateful that you came on. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate you having me. Um, yeah, my new album, The Echoist, it's coming out uh, November 13th. Uh, the week after the elections and uh, I have a few singles out right now on uh, all the streaming platforms you can find them on Spotify or Apple Music and the rest um, yeah go check them out save them uh, you can follow me on social media you can find all my social media links at andrewadkins.net that's Adkins with a D A D K I N S. so yeah I'd love for you to check out my music and thank you all for listening awesome man and uh, yeah let me know after all this stuff is over next time you play live I definitely want to come out Absolutely, man. I definitely want to stay in touch. All right. I appreciate it, Andrew. This uh, has been Andrew Atkins on the podcast. So thanks again. Have a good night, man. All right. See you And that is the episode with Andrew Atkins. Don't forget to check out his album, The Echoist, out now on all streaming platforms. And I just wanted to remind you guys again, uh, the Real Music Nashville Presents series at the Whiskey Bent Saloon starts December 21st and I really hope to see you guys out there it starts at 8, ends at 11 socially distanced, so bring a mask and we'll end today's episode with an acoustic version of Vagabond Shoes that Andrew recorded specially for the podcast One, two, three, four. seen your face in so long How's life been treating you? Can you believe all the time that's gone? I need a connection I need a new sense of direction I want to laugh and feel like I'm alive I've been walking backwards I've been speaking
Passion blues in these vagabond shoes going nowhere. Ooh, na 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 na. All right, this verse is about the Nashville tornado of 2020. Now I don't trust the rain no more It took away everything Well that big wind came and Tore down my front door Now I'm not the kind of man to break down But before I could rebuild They came and locked down my whole town We're all walking backwards We're all speaking in tongues if you breathe in the air, you're gonna poison your lungs. There's fear all around, and everyone's shaking. Locked inside, where the shadows are like a light. Is there anyone out there? These isolation blues and these vagabond shoes are going nowhere. Everything is getting out of hand It's like the most chaotic bad dream I've ever seen I need a connection I need a new sense of direction I want to laugh and feel like I'm alive I've been walking backwards I've been speaking in echoes I've been speaking Locked inside Where the shadows are like a light Is there anyone out there? Got these isolation blues 